and we are live on Berry Flow Upstream number 27. Here with the whole gang, uh, we got Alex, Brandon, Chad, Jubei, and Ronell. How's everyone doing this Sunday morning as opposed to Sunday evening? Good. Good. I complain. Yeah. Awake. I think you could tell, tell from some of our hair that we just rolled out of bed. <laughs> James and I, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, this is well coiffed for today. I mean, this is how it looks. Deal with it. No, but let's let's get let's get down to the nitty gritty. We got a lot of stuff to cover in regards to BlackBerry news. Um, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of healthcare, a little bit of auto, a little bit of BBM, a little bit of devices. So we're just gonna hop right in. Uh, let's talk Nantomics browser release. They actually pushed out a press release following the. Um, 60 Minutes uh, segment that was done with Patrick Sung-Shiong, who's the CEO of Nant Health, Nant Works, and, of course, Nantomics, essentially trying to bring the genome of individuals through their healthcare provider directly onto a mobile device. They're, they're going to be showing this off at CES in early January on the Passport. What do you guys think of enabling this kind of, kind of analysis on a mobile device? It almost seems kind of haphazard. It's like, why do we need that kind of power in the palm of our hands? It really does seem kind of tailored toward that medical professional. I wanted to see what you guys' thoughts on it. It's, it I read at the bottom, very bottom of that press release, that it was going to be preloaded on some passport devices, and I wondered kind of what that would mean. What are you guys' yeah. thoughts? Well, I have an interesting story. My friend was at a corporate event downtown Toronto, and there was a, a doctor, a cancer research doctor that was there, and my friend was asking me, he's like, uh, are you able to hook me up with like uh, a cheap passport? What's the cheapest you can get a passport? I'm like, I don't know, maybe like 400, 350. <clears throat> and I'm like, why? And he's like, well, because I'm talking to this uh, cancer research doctor and he really wants a passport because of this new uh, cancer genome feature that they brought out for it. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I'm like, like we didn't, like last time we were talking about it, we were like, we were questioning whether it was going to really attract a lot of people to it, but then, like, here it is firsthand, uh, somebody who's looking to get a passport because of it. I, thought, I just thought that'd be an interesting story for you guys. It is cool. At least the kind of, like, I, I feel like it's an interesting partnership with Health, and I know Jubei's got a lot to, a lot that he, you know, has to say on it, because there is a, a growing opportunity for verticals for them, you know? And we look at automotive, we look at healthcare. This guy, you know, Dr. Patrick Sung-Shiong is one of the richest people in healthcare. I think he's got like 13 billion as his net, like his, his, his actual value. So that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money and it's a lot of talent. The guy is a genius. I mean, if you look, watch that 60-minute segment, this guy's literally at the cutting edge of cancer research. So I'm excited to see. He obviously carries a lot of clout in the community. And now medical professionals in that field are running, as you said, to passport devices because of the new innovations that they're going to be able to access on it. So definitely cool stuff. Uh, I'm interested to see, like, you know, it's it's, it's amusing because, you know, we, we talk about it and, you know, all, all us BlackBerry fans are like, oh, you know, BlackBerry's curing cancer, but ultimately they, they may be taking some steps to actually do that. You know, obviously not BlackBerry themselves, but being able to enable someone to be able to have that kind of information in the palm of their hands is very powerful. Really cool stuff. Um, it seems like just a basic browser. So do you guys think it's an actual native Cascades application, or do you think it's just kind of a HTML5 web view basic type of thing? What do you developers think? I, I was thinking before that it was just an, uh, like a native app, but it just it was a web view being pulled in through the app. So it had the native Cascades framework, um, just like actually the old Berry Flow um, app. Flow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's not really a great yeah. solution, but you know it works. It's just it's just weird to me that they're referring to it as a browser wow. instead of just like yeah. And and I wonder I, I wonder if I wonder if thing. I wonder if the browser quote unquote is going to be able to kind of access more than just your genome. So imagine if you're browsing like your medical records, you're browsing your you know you're you're looking at pictures of your tumor or your cyst, and you're actually looking at the growth over time or the decrease in growth over time. Again, really interesting stuff from an. <laughs> what was that, Brandon? I said hopefully a decrease in the growth of a tumor or a cyst. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, that's that's what, at least I think, it's just very interesting that he's kind of tackling it from a different perspective. So instead of just radiating the specific area in, you know, massive doses, they're thinking more, let's just focus on the hole and where it could metastasize instead of where it is specifically. So that it doesn't, you don't want to, you know, attack it here so it races out and tries to, you know, seed itself elsewhere. You want to try to attack it from a hole. What I think is interesting about this is that nowadays we have so much technology that, that, um, that gathers information, but really the issue we have nowadays is that there is the, the information out there, but it's really hard to get all that information condensed into an easy and accessible uh, platform. And I think that's what this genome browser is going to do. It's going to take a whole bunch of information from all over the place, all over the world, and they're going to be able to, you know, kind of compare stuff on that browser and have all Absolutely. the information there. That's, that's uh, I think, the fundamental idea behind it. You have, when you look at the medical industry, if you look at the, the various departments within just one hospital, there hasn't been a uh, solution, at least mobily, uh, that cohesively connects um, all of the departments in which all the physicians and doctors are on the same page on the fly in regards to patient treatment. If there's, if uh, let's say Renell was um, suffering from a particular blood disorder and he had to get various treatments and different opinions from different departments, traditionally it would be a nightmare for him to um, go to these different uh, departments and get opinions, second opinions, and for the doctors to communicate with one another. What uh, this Nant among, um, NetHealth uh, browser thing that they're kind of constructing. Yes, it has like its own trademark name. Uh, yes, they're going to center, uh, you know, center around you know medical uh, information for physicians and um, clinicians and all that stuff. But uh, essentially, it's that platform that unites all of these departments on a single secure uh, network. And it's just really great to see um, the partnership here. And Brandon is absolutely correct with that. We're looking at the convergence of all of these uh, elements into one space. So, um, and there's no one else doing it. So, yeah. I was gonna say, um, I think usually when um, companies are piloting stuff, they usually use like North America or Canada to test out things first before um, exploring and trying to expanding to other countries, right? But I think. India and the places where they're starting the healthcare type of integration with the platform, if it's successful, we'll see a lot of expansion or we're interested in making our own um, in our country or our hospital or our health network and hopefully BlackBerry can capitalize on that, right? If it all goes well, right? So definitely 100%. It's definitely cool to see, as you guys mentioned, they're really kind of in an innovative point right now. As Jubaid mentioned, no one's doing this. And and really, when you look at BlackBerry as a whole, no one is doing what BlackBerry is doing in the market, period. I mean, 
where can you go and buy a physical keyboard device, right? Nowhere. <laughs> there are some older Nokia, Samsung devices that you can get. But where are you going to go and get a keyboard device that it has a touch-sensitive, touch-enabled keyboard? You know, nowhere. No one's really making the strides on a device like the Passport that BlackBerry is. So definitely interesting to see. I want to show this on air, guys, because if you have a Passport, hold it very closely. This is uh, my Passport. I'm, I'm in line at Panera yesterday, and I drop it like three feet while in line, and it just lands it like hot. right. Dropped it like it didn't cost $500, right? <laughs> um, it's pretty awful. Just be careful. Get a, get a solid case. This has a screen protector, and I have the transform shell. Still broke. It fell right there on the edge where there's no protection, and it shattered across. So get some, some full case protection. Now, you're talking about that space between the I-beam uh, stainless steel and the actual glass. There's like... Right. So Very, right where okay. there's the right where the glass curves and meets the I beam, there's a yeah. little bit of space where the screen protector doesn't cover, and obviously right. the I beam doesn't cover because the I beam's you know stationary. So it fell right in between and, and totally decimated. Oh, the I wonder if the I wonder if the case the uh, the extra weight of the case kind of threw it off a bit because I saw some some um, some tests by some people who were dropping a passport from a truck from a movie truck and things like that. And then the screen wasn't shattered, and, and, and what they found was that the device, when you drop it, it actually drops in a way that it, it doesn't actually, it, it doesn't angle to hit the screen. It actually angles to either hit like flat, so it doesn't completely shatter in an awkward angle, or on That's the back. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, with the, the build of the device, if you if you drop it a couple of times, you're gonna notice the device is built and then balanced so that if it falls, it's gonna hit the corners. Yeah. Right. When I when I unfortunately did was I dropped it forward and mm -hmm. it did a flip and before it can complete the flip and land face down it hit yeah. like that. So uh -huh. I I would if I was taller my device might have been saved if <laughs> <laughs> it had more more time to complete that flip. Uh, so yeah, you're you're right. I mean most most screens it's awful because especially like a on a device like like the Z10, mm -hmm. you crack it you're gonna crack it at one of like the top corners and it's gonna be annoying more than anything yeah. else. The device is basically going to work still, but you have the unsightly crack there at the top. That's why transformer, uh, you know, transform uh, shells like this, the hard shells that cover the corners, are really valuable. Chad, hold up your case because your case would have solved my entire problem. Let me lock it on you real quick. So flip it to the actual other side. You'll see that this is a case from Sideo, and across the whole thing, you've got that rubberized plastic that covers all four corners. All four and corners, all sides. And it has a little lip on the uh, compared to the screen, so mm. when it has when you have it face down, it actually will raised, right? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. actually a noticeable raise compared to the uh, as James said, the tra the transform case. Yeah, is it, it's not really a transform, right? It's a hard or the hard shell case, <laughs> yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, but honestly, I love this the the Sedio or Sedeo, whatever you call it, uh, case. It's great. And you did a review on that, right? On yeah, I did a review. Check it out on Berryflow. Um, you know, I, I've had this for now two days. What's today, Sunday? Mm -hmm. Now two days. And, you know, honestly, I have, like, no worries about my phone being damaged at all. One of my and biggest... With the bell clip. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is handy. Does the, uh, guys, I'm not sure, does the, uh, does the Passport have a holster yet? Like an actual BlackBerry holster? Not an official one. There are, pic there are pictures of a leather holster. 
Okay. But, uh, OEM, but no, not officially. Yeah, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised about that because, you know, they're, they're catering it to business. And I know a lot of business people like to have that holster because they don't like... Uh, they don't like putting devices in their pockets and their in their pants and stuff. They just like having it out there for easy access. And that's the cool thing about Setio. They have this combo case which I have, and they also make a belt clip holster for those who don't want the case. Mm -hmm. It will support naked devices, as we call them. Mm -hmm. uh, with the phone out of the case, it slides around in the holster. The holster, oh, okay. so okay. there's some noticeable like gap. Um, so those who don't want the case and want to keep the uh, phone naked, yeah, pick up one of those. But me personally, I want to make sure my phone lasts. And how much does it does uh, it end up like James's? <laughs> and how much did the Sedio cost you? Just um, the combo. The combo was fifty dollars. Oh, yeah? And then the spring clip holster by itself is 30 So if you want to just get the holster for the naked device, it's only $30. Um, but if you want the combo, which is the one I have, it's 50 And I'll tell you one thing, you know, it's worth it. I, I'm i so glad they finally came out. And as soon as it was available, I hit purchase. Um, I reached out to them to see if they could send me, like, a review unit, but I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> I doubt it, though. <laughs> like, oh, you already reviewed it free, thanks. <laughs> well, I was hoping they can give me a blue one, or because I got an email saying, uh, we'll see what we can go ahead and do, and then I got another email saying, yeah, we'll go ahead and send you one, and then I got another one saying, we've actually sent out um, all of our review units, and uh, if, it, if we need any more, we'll reach out to you. So Sounds like some classic PR bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, are you gonna are you gonna send your passport in for repair? Because you seem like the type of guy that just couldn't couldn't deal with like a cracked screen. I, I just I wouldn't be able to deal with it. I so, so here's 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 where I'm standing on it, and I wanted to kind of go back to the transform or the transform case, the hard shell. Uh, as Chad mentioned, you know he's got a now his Sideo case, and it covers all those corners. On this, it's such a nice case solution overall, right? Mm -hmm. But getting getting it out is such a pain. And Chad mentioned it in his video. Yeah. Like Getting this thing out is such a freaking... like I really have to pry to get it out. Um, with the Sideo, you can literally just press the back and pop it off. Like It's literally slide on and off. So a lot more utility there than, than this. This is something like you want to take on and off maybe once a day, whereas that I can see myself kind of transitioning back and forth. Um, right now, the phone is completely usable so every I can make calls there's no glass in my fingers because the screen protector is holding it all back yeah. so honestly it still works do I want to get it replaced right now obviously I want to get it replaced but uh, I call I spoke with RMA which is their repair people over with Blackberry and they said basically it's gonna cost half of the price of the device which is 250 yeah. I um, dropped my Z30 like a week after I got it like a year ago and then mm -hmm. I went to like go see to get repaired and it was gonna cost like so much money I was like Ugh, I'll just deal with it Right. That's basically where I'm at with it. I'm going to see what I can do, work through some channels, try to get it fixed, try to get a red passport. <laughs> I'm not opposed to, you know, getting some extras there. But, uh, yeah, I'm probably just going to try to get it fixed at some point. Um, hopefully a classic will land on my doorstep for Christmas or something. <laughs> not land. It'll crack. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Speaking of classic, um, let's talk.
let's talk about white classic. We saw some pictures go out on that. What do you guys think of it? I think it looks it's good. White. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they usually, typically, with every uh, model offering that they've had, they've come out with a white uh, color version. So, not really much of a surprise. If they came out with red, then that that'd be something to talk about. But uh, yo, the cool I get thing came out with like a signature like blackberry color, like a signature blackberry color, like maybe something like an off red or like a, a maroon or something, or like something that's just signature to blackberry. Because you know the the white, everybody always equates the white with uh, the iPhones, just because like all the products, you always like equate it right. with the, the white color. And I guess to an extent you might be able to say, well, blackberry black, but uh, at the same time, maybe like a, a specific color that they would just consistently come out I like, with. Uh, I like the fact they're coming out with red because, what you know, I, I've always assimilated with their uh, spark. Um, oh, that's true. So mm -hmm. with this red in particular, it obviously is an iconic uh, icon that we see in all the devices. For <coughs> the fact that they use the red as a color, I like. Mm -hmm. As far as another BlackBerry color, I mean, you look at the um, some of the uh, BlackBerry blue colors, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that is that color would sell on a device, but the red definitely does. How and did the multiple like, colors do for the Q5? Because they had multiple colors for that. They're still selling their inventory. <laughs> it's on sale right now. Please buy them out. It's been on the shelf for a year now. For like 150. Right, they're they're throwing that out. I mean, I'd love a red Q5. Yeah. The red the red keys are, are what really get me. I, I'm interested in a white classic because the Q10 had that white and gold limited edition. It wasn't even limited edition; it was special edition. Was there was a black limited. and gold. I don't think there was an official black and gold. Was it? Oh, that was the special edition, correct? No, the, the special edition was a white Q10 that you could actually buy from BlackBerry. I don't think there's ever been a black and gold that you could officially buy from them. There was. I'm pretty sure there was. I see I mean, it. It's like 400 bucks. I have to look for a up. black one? Because I, I know that like the employees, they can buy Q10s in black, in white, and white in gold. I don't think there's a black and gold version. I've seen them as well where people have just modded them. People like uh, See if you can find it. I mean... Some, 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 guy, some guy over in Saudi Arabia is just like tearing these things apart and building new ones, <laughs> selling them back to BlackBerry for double profit. I'm interested mm -hmm. in a white. As Jubaid said, obviously, if there's a red, I'd be down on that. I would definitely get, it, get on that board. Um, let's, let's, let's move over. Let's talk about an unwavering enterprise focus and strategy. John Chen's kind of came out, and he's like, no, we're not going to chase Kim Kardashian for marketing. We're not going to chase the sensationalism. We're focused wholeheartedly on our enterprise game. And ultimately, really, that's where they need to find success. Most of their services and offerings are tailored to that demographic. What do you guys think of them not so much focusing on the consumer space and really, really trying to drive innovation for the enterprise? As most of us are not in enterprise, you know, we are on the consumer side of things. Does that make you kind of cautious in buying new BlackBerry devices? Or are you still kind of gung-ho and want to get the, you know, the latest and greatest? What a great statement he made in regard that that release where he made that you know um, statement about the strategy BlackBerry is um, under unwavering you know strategic plan. Uh, you know, I wrote about we've we've spoken a few times about 
consumers, how they're in the backseat with BlackBerry. BlackBerry's heart and soul and DNA is, you know, enterprise security, um, you know, being that MDM uh, solution. Uh, consumers really get caught up in the, um, the hype of certain things, and they have this competitive spirit all the time. Someone pulls out their Windows phone, their Android device, or their iPhone, and someone in the room is a BlackBerry. There's like this, this, um, this energy, this competitive energy always uh, lingering about. And it's, it's like, who has the better device? Who, what's the best phone in the world? Uh, Kim Kardashian talks about saving the BlackBerry, like if it's some um, you know, endangered species. And she's buying all, um, all the models up on uh, eBay. You know, these are, uh, it, it doesn't come from a place of strategy. It doesn't come a place of uh, profitability. It comes from somewhere else. And I like the fact that he came out, and he was frank about it. He came out and he said, listen, this is the strategy. This is what I came in here. I established this strategy, and this is what's been working successfully so far. That cannot be denied, and we're going to continue down this path. Just because we have some, you know, B celebrity coming out saying that she wants to save the old BlackBerry devices doesn't mean that's going to alter anything. Why should it? Why, why would anything change at this point? I've got no respect for her because she has a passport and she hasn't opened it. It's like, <laughs> you're so, you're so narrow-minded and parochial that you just can't, you can't see the bigger picture, even when it's literally standing right in front of your face. But it's such a big issue with, like, so many consumers. I mean, to this day, if you go on BerryFlow in the comments or N4BB, you go to Crackberry, any BlackBerry site, and we're going to see another huge wave of this when the Classic is released, we're going to see that uh, it's almost like a dichotomy between BlackBerry's um, offerings and identity and consumers who are in love with the brand and want it to be consumer. And it's not in their strategy right now. Mm -hmm. Will it be in their strategy in the future if they are successful in enterprise and the medical and automotive and those things that they already established? Yes. But right now, no. Get over it. Let it go. You know, and <coughs> I'm glad that he made the statement. It's great. Consumers are still like, uh, there was this one uh, commenter, and uh, I, I get it. I understand it. I'm actually going to go on, um, I think it was on Barry Flo's uh, BBN panel, where Chen he got, went Chen off got, on why they he... made a video mm -hmm. talking about, huh? Yeah, oh, I... Talking about Brickbreaker. Why did BlackBerry Blogs put out a video on Brickbreaker? Yeah. And he just flipped. He was just like, "This is everyone's. Every, the media is having a field day with it." I'm like, well, if it's any consolation, the media is gonna have a field day with the classic, regardless. One way or another, <laughs> it's gonna get shit on. And and speaking of shit on, Chen got shit on for that article. You know, he put it on his LinkedIn, on his promoter page, and then in the comics, they're like, "You're talking about not sensationalizing Kim Kardashian and using her as a media tool." However, you just mentioned her name and done exactly what you said you weren't doing, you know? Even even name-dropping her there is an acknowledgement of, you know, what he's trying to not acknowledge. And it's interesting. I feel, I feel, and we all kind of agree on this, I believe, that Chen's playing the media gambit, you know? Yeah. He's not necessarily telling them what they want to hear. He's telling them what they need to hear. Yeah, and he's, he's going to play off those names and, and, and bolster the message. I feel like the whole enterprise play is just kind of like, it, because if you think about it, they're still playing the consumer game. They're just not advertising it. Like, you got mm -hmm. BBM, which is a, a completely, not completely consumer, but the majority of the users, I, I would believe, would be 
and, and the majority of the new features that have come out, re especially with the recent update, are consumer-oriented. Um, so I think he's just like, for the optics of it, he's not saying that they're consumer-oriented uh, company, but they're that they're selling just to enterprise, just so that in terms of the stock market and what people view it, they view it as more of a, a stable kind of, you know, they know what they want to do. They, they, they have a direction, they have a goal that they want to achieve. Whereas with the consumer market, it's so volatile. You have all the, all the manufacturers that are losing money left and right trying to, trying to tap that market. So for, the optics, so for the optics of it, when they say they're tapping a different market, automatically um, the stock market is like, okay, they're not doing exactly the same as everybody else in the market, so maybe we'll give them some leeway and see how it goes. And that's exactly when I wrote about it, um, the synergy about it all. It's like it has the, the, the analyst uh, skeptic because everyone's used to the same old paradigm of uh, you know consumer marketing and uh, manufacturing. And BlackBerry completely sidetracked that and said, no, we're going to... Um, and I do have um, a uh, write-up ready to be published <laughs> on it, but I, I speak about the convergence. My bad. How, That's totally my know. bad. For everyone waiting for that, it is my, it's been yeah. there for a while. Totally my bad. Um, it talks about how BlackBerry's strategy uh, is sidestepping that because now these companies, they're not competing in the consumer um, market. Uh, they position themselves where their competitions could be possible clients and partners. And we've already seen evidence mm -hmm. of this. So um, when that's published, you guys could, uh, everyone uh, watching could uh, read about it. But look forward um, to reading I, Convergence Blackberry story in the beginning <laughs> of 2015. <laughs> You'll get that story when we get 10.3.1 officially. God knows when. <laughs> but yeah, Brandon talked about something that is not spoken about enough. It's the fact that all these manufacturers are all losing money. Everyone's margins are decreasing at an alarming rate, and these companies are struggling. And because, like Brandon said, the market's really volatile. It's hard to anticipate. It's, it's a reactionary uh, industry, and uh, companies are losing millions and millions of dollars, especially if you consider how much marketing, billions of dollars of marketing dollars they're putting into it and losing on the other end. So... Um, BlackBerry is ahead of the curve as far as uh, the idea and the concept of convergence. Oh yeah, I mean they've they've really had kind of a pinpoint on the market. They they were one of the first OEMs with with NFC. They were one of the first pioneering mobile payments. I mean we had BlackBerry Wallet back on legacy devices, you know, for managing all your cards and all that good stuff. BlackBerry really I feel is like the cutting edge. You know, they are the knife blade, the very the the point that is actually making the cut whereas the rest of the market is the leading edge, which actually is driving that cut. And, and really, it's BlackBerry, I feel, is there with the innovative touches. I mean, they put out a 5-inch phone before Apple did, you know? And that says something. It really does to show not only their market awareness, but with the device like the Passport and the specs it has, that they are market aware. They're here today and now. I know Alex is itching to talk about the latest BBM release. I just, I just want to make one last comment. You, you yeah. said that they even put a 5-inch phone before Apple, and you think that they even put in like a Passport-like device before Samsung. And Samsung, I think they've tried every single form factor under the sun mm -hmm. like over the past few years, and, 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 and BlackBerry was able to beat them to the punch on one form factor. So I think that's 
they deserve some respect in that regard as well. It's just like they, they're refusing to go down without a fight. It's like you may believe whatever you believe about BlackBerry, but the reality is far different. And, and it's important to see that and I think acknowledge it on a scale from obviously a fan's perspective, but making sure other people are aware of that. I mean, they've got over $3 billion in the bank, no debt. They've got investors on board. This is a ship that is continuing to go out on course. And yeah, there was a little bit of wavering. Are we, are we chasing the coastal line and the consumers, or are we going out to sea and fighting the Enterprise fight? And really, if they can go out to sea, conquer the Enterprise, reclaim the foothold, then they can come back to port and really start looking at the consumer again. Um, it, you know, when we, when we discuss this, I want to start transitioning the conversation toward BBM, but when you look at management, one of the very, very key points of management is being deliberate. You know, you can't go wishy-washy through your choices. You can't choose one direction one day and then go one direction another day. And Chen kind of highlighted that, you know. You can't go for the short-term wins. You really need to look at the long-term big picture. And while you may make your fans happy and your consumers happy short-term, ultimately long-term you're hurting the real bread and butter, which is going to be the enterprise. So wholly agree with his focus. Wholly agree that... Uh, Classic needs to come out in red, <laughs> and wholly agree that uh, I'd like personally to be able to check out that Nantomics, Nantomics uh, browser. Maybe maybe at the event they'll have a, a demo or something. So Alex, you've got the floor now. Tell us about BBM. Tell us about some of the new features and some of the uh, pain points that you have with them. Yeah, so I mean, some of the features they are really long overdue, and you know we're all happy to have them. Um, one of which was sending a picture or an image to someone and it would not have a, a delivered or a read message. And the funny thing is I think everyone on BBM learned that whenever you send someone a picture, you immediately send them a message afterwards because then you get the sense of if they read the picture because it'll mark the message as read. So it's kind of like a little workaround that I think you know people use BBM a lot understood. So it's nice that they just went and fixed that. Um, let's see, they made it so you could, you know, send stickers in groups. Just another thing to try and have them promote stickers. And then I think one of the most controversial things that they did, um, probably in their attempt to promote stickers, is that they made the sticker picker as default, which a, there's been like a huge, you know, outcry about this. And it's not surprising. If you actually look at what it does is... For people who don't use stickers, it now makes doing emoticons a two-step process. And the thing is, normally you can't always get a, like the amount of emoticons you want to get in in a message. Say that you're just trying to be funny and send like five emoticons one after another. The old way would be to click the button, and then you could just really quickly click and then go back and forth. Whereas now it has duplicated that, so a once six click is now a twelve click which is just absurd for the amount of work that it is to do that. And then, since we can't so, organize so Alex, stickers... So Alex, yeah. what, you're, what you're saying is, you, you want to choose an emoji or an emoticon. You, 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 you press the one you want, and it brings you back to the sticker picker. Well, when you click it, it will close the... Bring, it'll bring back mm -hmm. up the, um, the keyboard. And then when you click the emoticon again, then yes, it will bring you back to the sticker picker. Oh, it God. doesn't remember. Yeah, it does not remember where you last, you know, were. So, so literal. Also, so if you want to put in multiple emoticons at once, you have to go back and forth. That's awful. Yeah. So you got you awful have to really try and tap quickly. You know, sometimes you can get two or three emoticons in there before it closes. <laughs> 
and then especially if you have to scroll up and down the list, it's just, you know, absolutely brutal. And since we can't even organize how stickers are, the fact that it defaults to these free sticker packs that I don't use anymore, so not only is it on stickers by default, I don't use any of the stickers it defaults on, so it did not make the process any easier for me, and it's just frustrating me like crazy. We can't, um, we can't rearrange stickers. I've got 23 stickers, right? So finding, <laughs> finding one... Finding one is a mess, all right? So it's like 23 stickers times about 20 stickers per pack. Do the math. There's a lot of stickers on my phone. <laughs> don't, don't you think... Okay, that's that's a good... Okay, so for someone who has 20-something packs, a lot of people have been suggesting, hey, we should be able to uninstall the packs we don't use or hide them or whatever. Well, how about you just make a recently used frame and just take in the individual stickers from the individual packs that you that you've recently used? So say that you use smileys from different sticker packs or um, I can't think of any sticker pack, like one from the South Park, and it'll actually have a recent sticker and have stuff from South Park, stuff from Smiley, just everything integrated yeah. with one. I think I that mean, could you be pay, a great you pay for their stickers, so why don't they let you just like order them in, in order of which ones you want to see first when you go into the sticker pane. Like, yeah. for instance, I use the South Park stickers the most because those were the first pack like I bought. They're all the way at the end. Mm -hmm. So I always have to, every time I go into stickers, I got to swipe all the way to the end and then pick a, a South Park sticker when in reality, the most recent one I got is pretty, pretty much probably just like one of those free ones that you yeah. just... You pick up for the sake of picking up, just to have them. But I don't necessarily want to use them all the time. Right? Oh, and if, if you now, now over, you're sending. <laughs> yeah, it, well, if you switch over. Tokopedia. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of like those now because because this it's funny because this whole situation is forcing me to use those so much that I have a little soft spot for them now, even though they're so weird. You um, and your you and your soft spots. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's a question. As Alex said, if they like had the uninstall option on there, what would happen to those stickers that you have that are no longer available? So, like, the South Park ones are no longer available, the WWE ones are no longer available, so what happens to those? Can you get those back if you want them? That's where, yeah, you know, it is an inconvenience that it defaults on whoever you, uh, whichever pack you purchased last, but I, I worry about those that you uninstall. You know what? I want to give back that WWE one so I can just send it to my wife or whatever the case is. So. <laughs> That's funny that we're talking about BBM to all the new features and we just got stuck on stickers. No, Alex covered what are the other, other features. Alex, that Alex covered them already. Yeah, I mentioned them first because I knew I'd rant about the rest. Yeah, but the main feature anybody used on this update is probably just the the stickers in the group. Yeah. Yeah, let's be honest. I gotta say, I'm ecstatic about selecting multiple pictures. <laughs> One sending. Oh right. yes, I forgot about that. Yes, yes, yes. That I, I agree. Mm. And that multiple files. Really so that's only on BlackBerry 10, though, right? I think it's and multiple pictures. I think it's across devices. And the fact that we use the stickers in chats as well. Right. In, in group, group chats. chats. In group chats. Good stuff, indeed. Uh, Ronald, what do you think about the BBM 2.6 update? Um. I think it's pretty good, considering I just updated, like, about two minutes ago. <laughs> I, I He's like, what the hell are they talking about updating? Yeah. I know it's coming through. I was just waiting for it to automatically come through on BlackBerry World, so I, mm -hmm. I checked it. It's on there. I mean, I heard about all the features. I really like the, uh, the selecting multiple pictures, though, and uh, files. 
What I really want to know, though, is um, I don't know if the other platforms got 2.6 as well, or there's a recent update for other platforms. Yep, it was like. updated for all devices. So all now BBM, BBM has the timed messages and the retraction across all devices, except right. Windows, because they're shitty. <laughs> I want to know how um, how it's on those platforms, because a lot of people who, who I know who use it, you know, they had some complaints about it, and, oh, it's slow, I don't want to use it, or I don't use it that much. So I want to see how much uh, they've optimized it for other platforms and see how well they've, they've done since the previous one. Can I just say something quick? Is that mm -hmm. BBM, like, I found the features they're adding are great, but I also feel like the performance of the app itself has been slowly degrading with the more features they put on. And, like, I'm hoping they put out, like, a kind of just a stability fix in the future, just kind of a performance and stability enhancement update just to kind of refresh it and make it a bit snappier because right now I find like when I try and do a time message or uh, or share my location or something like that, it takes quite a bit for it yeah, lags. to actually send it lags, yeah. And you saw, that was another feature, wasn't it? They fixed, they did a slight adjustment on the timed uh, messages. You can press on it multiple times. Seconds, yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate them. They're like, we've got a new feature. It's like, no, you fixed a bug. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, before it was just sometimes someone will send a timed image or message, and you unintentionally you might tap it, and it'll go away, and you have no access to it. So the fact that you can tap it multiple times now kind of, you know. It's like, oh no, I missed the booby shot. Darn. Send it again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the BBM at least keeping consistent. It's not like it's been like channels, which has seen no kind of, you know, TLC at all. Speaking of which, <laughs> um, do you think, I've had this thought, do you think that they're going to keep channels within BBM or are they going to separate channels as its own app since we have BBM meetings? Will they have a BBM channels app and just keep BBM messaging on its own? I think honestly, as we as we look at it right now, as a monetization platform, it's too tied to BBM to be separated at this point. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. At this point, now would I like to see it standalone in the future? Yeah, why not? But right now, that it needs more clout. It needs more support. It needs video. It needs all. I don't know if you guys saw the rumor mill BBM channel post up. Mm -hmm. Things it's like, it just made me so upset because, you know, it's like coming soon or, you know, these are planned features. It's like, yeah, we got told that stuff a while ago. They told us videos were coming. They told us they were going to make it easier for channel mods to post. And they yeah. told us they were going to help refine the chats for, for channels. It's my, like, yeah, we're, we're waiting. We're still waiting. My favorite is when they, like, everybody was asking them to, to add, like, a gift creator uh, for channels. And then they did some like haphazard thing, like through the browser. You can only create a GIF um, through the browser with your webcam um, for BBM channels, but you can't actually do it from your actual BlackBerry device. And I was like, "What's going on, guys? You yeah. guys have any? You guys don't know about that? Maybe that's yeah. something that James and I could ask." Uh, so here's Chen in person. Here's here's a here's the thing. I I found that I, I saw that a while ago. Kinsella actually. Uh, yeah, Kinsella did, did it. Kinsella. Point Seta. No, I'm just kidding. Kinsella. Uh, <laughs> I just call him the taco guy. Like that's his face. <laughs> um, he 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 did a little channel post on his about it, and I actually launched the browser, put it in desktop mode, and was able to do it on my mobile. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, but you have definitely to go a workaround. You have to go on browser, yeah. 
yeah, browser desktop mode just to do it, and then it's like it's got a very funky UI, and you're kind of panning around trying to get it to work. I have a question, guys. Um, in terms of like you're you're debating whether it should be separated or or all in one app, and I'm just thinking it's like if you think of things like on on Google, like on Android devices, they have Google Plus and all the different services as separate apps, just because you have your login credentials in the OS itself. So it's no big issue because your device will automatically log into all those services. Um, and I'm thinking on BlackBerry 10, that makes sense to be like that. But I'm thinking for cross-platform, it might just be better having all the services combined into one app. That way you don't have people needing to download a whole bunch of different apps and having to log in um, to a whole bunch of different apps with the same ID. I don't know what you guys think about that. Why can't the system do it? Or why can't BB10 just do the exact same thing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On BB10 oh. it makes sense. But we oh. can have it on iPhone or Android. Oh. You know what I mean? Be... Because mm -hmm. people don't, like, generally me, like, if, if I have lots of apps, I hate, like, I hate it when, like, I have an app and I have to log in all the time. And it's, like, sometimes, depending on how it is, some apps just log out if you turn off the device or stuff like that. I don't know what you guys think. Well, my reasoning behind sep uh, separation is that now we know that uh, BBM is essentially operating as its own company within a company. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of the products and services, to me, logically would probably be separated. I'm thinking how – is it too much of an idea? Is it too radical to think that someone who doesn't care for BBM messaging – but likes BBM channels, can just download BBM channels, use it frequently, but not be an avid user of BBM messaging. You know, kind of seeing mm -hmm. that separation where there's some people attracted to some offerings or not. If someone's attracted to BBM money coming in the future, it's like, well, I just want BBM money, but yeah. why do I have to download BBM, have the channels, have all of these other... Uh, yeah, that makes sense, I actually. Care for? So having sense. it, yeah, as a company within a company saying, okay, if you want this app, download it. If you want this app, download it. But I completely agree with the annoyance of having that BBID and signing in and out of all individually. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is some sort of a middle ground. They can uh, innovate something there. But uh, going forward, I think that with all those additions and updates, it's contributing to the lagging and to the kind of fragmented, scattered uh, experience. experience now on BBM. Because now when I'm trying to move, navigate through BBM, if I'm on channels and James were to BBM me a message, it doesn't pop up. I and get it takes forever set. to load yeah. once you get to the chat. Right. So there's different, within the application, there's definitely um, a lack of uh, fluidity. So I don't know. So we're going to WhatsApp, guys. <laughs> I mean, no, I love BBM still. I mean, yeah, it's broken here, there, shit doesn't work. I can't copy and paste parts of text. I mean, come on, get it together, guys. But at the same point, like, I, I, I would rather not use anything than have to use something other than BBM. It's, for me, I mean, it's still super convenient that I can just place a call to someone. I don't need their number. I don't need any of that crap. I just press the call. And I'm, I'm out and going. So we're going to fly through the last couple of things here before Brandon has to dip out. Automotive news. We talked healthcare. We talked a little bit about some of the software services, Blend, Bez, uh, BBM. But Ford actually dropped Microsoft Sync for their car. And now for Sync 3, they're going with QNX. Big move. I, at this point, I think 
I believe the numbers were about 55% penetration in the uh, automotive already for QNX with Ford now on board. You're really talking about a, a stronghold on the entire, like, the entire market. I think Ford is like the third biggest auto manufacturer in the world, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And, and they're putting this in their Fords, their Lincolns. It's multiple mm -hmm. lines of cars, not just not just the Ford-branded ones. It's all uh, that it, under the umbrella. It's important to, to, to acknowledge that uh, BlackBerry re currently on QNX doesn't make that much money on licensing out QNX. So just because they have it in a lot of vehicles doesn't mean they're going to get a huge amount of money from it. But what it, the, the important thing about it is that if they have QNX in the cars, they'll be able to gather some more information for maybe Project Ion and other related um, products mm -hmm. that they have in the entire BlackBerry ecosystem. That's a great uh, point. Um, I think one of the things I've always argued is at this point it's important for QNX, the adoption of mm -hmm. BlackBerry and QNX. So if the offering is uh, reasonable or very attractive, you know, on the financial side of it, you'll get that wide adoption. And then in the future, then you can come in and start hitting people over the heads. Like, okay, you have QNX in your vehicles and your, in your products for, you know, three, four years now. Everything you have is based on it. Now we're going to up the price. We're going to up the ante on it. You put them, you corner the market that way and say, damn, everything we've invested is in QNX. It works wonderful. We're not going to use anything else. They're going to have to bite the bullet. And, you know. And honestly, yeah. in Jubei, that's exactly what Ford had to do. As, as uh, you know, we have CarPlay with Apple, which runs a top QNX. We have Android Auto, which runs a top QNX. It's like, shit, if we want to be able to be supported by the latest offerings on these mobile devices that all of our customers have, mm -hmm. we got to go to QNX. You know, it's not going to happen any other way. They had to. They were cornered, as you just mentioned. And I honestly feel like as they corner more of the automotive market, now they have a platform to start building services that they can then charge more for. So yeah, yep. the royal the royalties are going to come in five bucks a car for you know twenty million cars, ten million cars a year. And then so that's some money. It's a little bit, you know. But ultimately, if we look at it, like if you look at OnStar and Chevy right now, OnStar is powered by QNX on on the car through the data transport and even at the center where they're bringing that information in. So now they're able to sell you LTE mm -hmm. in your car, which is powered by QNX, right? The, the car is basically a smartphone. It, it has all the capabilities therein. So now we can charge you for secure monitoring. We can charge you for internet. We can charge you for all of these things that are going to run on top of the QNX kernel. And ultimately, you can see them kind of having that strategy going throughout. Imagine if you're able to buy BBM for your car. You yeah. Know, calls and all that other crap, glimpse messages, etc., etc. There is a, a big platform there, and I think as as we, as, you know, as Jubei had mentioned, now that they are kind of cornering the market, so to speak, being able to build these cross-device ubiquitous things is going to be harder because right now everyone else is basically using a custom mod of Linux. So yeah. that's what that's what Tesla, that's what Ferrari are all doing. Um, it, it, you know, that's never going to play with an Apple unless they have a strict partnership, and Apple does with CarPlay. To be able to bring and bridge their their uh, their servicing their service over, excuse me. So definitely going to be interesting to see how that market kind of progresses forward. Ford is a big name, as you guys had mentioned. Them dropping for BlackBerry is a good sign of things to come. I, I really think that Chen's going to be smart in trying to capitalize on that market. But what do you guys think, Ronell? Do you think that this QNX move is is a big deal in in terms of automotive? Uh, I think it's huge. I think it's huge. It's a, it's, it's definitely a big step forward. Um, you know, it's um, I'm really looking forward to other car, 
um, other car dealers and um, makers are looking at QNX as a possible um, solution for their cars as well. Because as uh, Jube was saying, it's all about exposure, right? So the more the better, definitely, you know. And looking at the accessories that are sold right now, like um, Jabra and everything, you have to have that thing mounted in your car so that your car is Bluetooth enabled and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Just having that built into the car and you don't have to buy those extra accessories and you have the security there, um, that's a huge consumer and enterprise offering, which... BlackBerry can definitely capitalize on, so um, a lot of positives there. Hoping to, for more. To, to caveat right off that, I'm going to lock it, lock it on me here for a second. Um, this is QNX's profile, and this is as of 2013. So you see QNX here, you see OnStar, Nissan, Mercedes, Hyundai, Toyota, Saab, GM, Chrysler, Mazda, Audi, Acura, BMW, Chevy, Samsung, Renault Motors, which is pretty interesting, uh, Land Rover, Porsche, a lot of big names, right? And obviously some are missing. Uh, that, that's that's a given. But 60% of cars on the road, 20 million vehicles in, in 2011 alone. We go down here. This is Chevy MyLink, which runs QNX. This is Toyota Entune, which runs QNX. This is Mercedes Embrace, which runs QNX. This is BMW iDrive, which runs QNX. This is OnStar. This is uh, Honda hands-free. Tons of systems are running QNX, and you may not know it. It's branded something differently, but the platform underneath is the QNX car platform, QNX auto. And this is uh, not including Ford, so that 60% number jumps. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so really, it is, you know, and it's looking not only at telematics, but infotainment units as well. So mm -hmm. it, may not, it may not be an in-car dash that you can actually use, but underneath you still have that QNX embedded chip. So really cool stuff. Uh, this is in our BlackBerry BBI section. A lot of good information here on a bunch of different things, so definitely check that out if you're interested to learn more uh, of what BlackBerry has to offer in that regard. Yeah. Um, Let me say one more thing, sorry, because mm -hmm. that you bring that up. I mean, everybody thinks is, uh, BlackBerry is a handset maker. We've all said that before. They're more than that now. If, if you ask any regular consumer about Samsung, they're going to say Samsung makes TVs, Samsung makes smartphones, and they make a couple other small products for home mm -hmm. But nobody knows that Samsung also in Asia makes ships, military equipment. They're all over the place in terms of multiple sectors. BlackBerry is trying to get into that same kind of frame in health and in automotive and different other areas, right? So, I mean, that's something to think about. A lot of people should. You know, the world is way too big to be concerned only with the consumer market. And there's this massive industry just waiting to explode. And BlackBerry is exercising, you know, their interests in them. And it's going to be huge and profitable. It's, it's funny because if you look at it historically, most things actually that, that enter the, the consumer space actually come from military or enterprise-driven... Um, uh, projects. So if you look at it, like this is kind of an exaggeration, but look at GPS, for instance. That was a military project that was later handed out to consumers to use. So I mean, the money is there um, in the enterprise and, and other spaces, especially military. And I think BlackBerry is well well geared to compete there. Speaking of comp speaking of competition, Brandon, Chad's brought his his daughter on. I'm going to lock it on you guys. That's a future BlackBerry user right there, right? Yeah. Hi, Michaela. How you doing? <laughs> Can you say hi? Can you say hi? No. She's shy. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. 
What do you think? Her, you're gonna you're gonna get her a slider? You're gonna give her your Z10? I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see what she uh, reaches for uh, more, either a BlackBerry or an Apple phone. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> My wife says Apple, so. Ah, oh, so she's yeah. gonna get an iPhone. How did she? Microsoft. <laughs> she wants a Windows phone, guys. You want a Windows phone? <laughs> so we lost Brandon. He had to dip out. And get, I think he's going to work, or is that Ronell who's got to go to work? I got no. uh, Brandon had brunch. Brunch, brunch. That's yeah. right. How old of him? <laughs> when you're when you're eating at twelve, it's it's not brunch. It's lunch. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just because you're eating, just because you're eating uh, eggs at twelve thirty doesn't mean it's breakfast. <laughs> so we got a, just a couple more topics to go through. We cleared Ford BBM. I want to talk about SIM-based BEZ licenses. I thought that was a pretty interesting thing they're doing over in India. Basically, instead of having to purchase an individual license for BEZ, BEZ ten, BEZ twelve, you're able to through your carrier buy the phone and also get your license on a perpetual. Uh, deal where you're paying monthly for it instead of all in one on an annual basis. Pretty cool. I mean, we've got Bez hosted, we've got Bez self-hosted, we've got Bez 10 Cloud, and now we've got this sim-based model as well. Really trying to create traction with BB uh, with the Bez, uh, you know, offerings. What do you guys think about the Bez licensing and tying that to the SIM card through the carrier? Well, it's no surprise that it's taking place in India. That seems to be like their starting ground whenever they want to introduce a new service, uh, a new feature. Yeah. And um, actually, Aisha over from N4BB is watching from India right now. Aisha. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone say hi to her. Um, so uh, they get all those new um, offerings, and based on the success of it, because India is a, is a massive market, a very important one to BlackBerry. A growing so, one. Yeah, it's it's enormous. So their investment in those kind of features um, is paramount for them. But uh, you know, like BBM Money and like the other services, um, we should see uh, some sort of mutation of that rolling out into other regions. You know, I'd love it. Love to see such a thing happen with work life and and how they're kind of working with the carriers to offer more services. It just seems like a logical thing, you know. We can we can both make money along the way. You support us, we support you. Win-win for both. So I'm, I'm cool, uh, excited to see it. Definitely uh, much needed. What do you guys think about the classic pre-order selling out? I mean, who sells out of a pre-order? <laughs> Is it the point of a pre-order to? I, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing it. <laughs> but uh, you have Foxconn. You have one of the biggest manufacturers in the world building your phone, and you you're selling out of your pre-order. Like, yeah. I find it amusing. That's crazy. I mean, that, like, that should be a huge statement maker. I mean, the passport was sold out, but I'm assume, on assumption. I'm pretty sure BlackBerry prepared or is prepared to make more classics than the passport. So saying the pa the the classic is already sold out, I think speaks a huge amount of volumes of how many people miss the trackpad and miss that belt. There's a lot of older users out there, and I've already said this before, and I'll say it again. There's a lot, even though a lot of people said we're moving backwards, there's a lot of people who wanted that belt back, and it's showing, right, through the pre-orders. And um, up here in Canada, we got Rogers, who's got it on, available as pre-order, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's going very well. A lot of people are interested. Um, 
It's huge. There's but a no, lot. Of I, I, I have. I want your thoughts on this as you talk about it. Um, what is your assumption of the number of devices they actually made and sold out of as pre-orders? Does it supersede uh, the number, the quantity of the passport? Remember, we had that 200,000 uh, devices for the passport that sold out in hours. Are you looking at the same or more as far as a classic pre-order? That's a good question. That's a very good question. I would, I would assume the same or even more. To be yeah. honest, yeah, that's exactly because we're talking. The passport was never in demand. It was a very odd-looking device that they made for a niche. Pass the the uh, classic has been is a model that's been in demand for two years, and they made the pre-orders. I have a friend in London. Uh, she recently tried to uh, pre-order it and it sold out everywhere. She's tried contacting BlackBerry, uh, refreshing constantly on Amazon. No luck with the classic. So um, is this the device that's going to put BlackBerry in that 10 million devices sold in a year? Definitely. <laughs> I would think so. I mean, it's, it's, uh, even if it wasn't, I think now that they have so much demand, if they can get that manufacturing up to par, they can definitely meet that 10 million mark. They'll, they'll meet the 10 million devices mark, and forcing stickers on us will get BBM to the 100 million dollar mark. <laughs> Down my throat with these stickers. <coughs> but you got to say those stickers are selling when they're on sale, though. Right? They're, they're they're pushing hard. I don't know exactly why, but uh, they're pushing hard. So lastly, guys, uh, we're gonna close it up here, and we're gonna show off some pictures of the Manitoba. Um, I actually have them here on my desktop, courtesy of Kyle. Um, we're going to do a post-up on this. Hopefully hopefully I can find some time. Literally, I fly out tomorrow morning at 6 to New York for the, uh, the classic event, which is on the 17th. So I'm, I'm here, there. I'm kind of all over the place. And now with my broken passport, I'm a little bit even more awry. But, uh, so, yeah, let's, I'm going to do a screen share. and You guys can see the device. N4BB was talking about it on their podcast. We just want to show you guys <laughs> what it was looks it like. Was it the Manitoba or the Rio? What are we so, so that's part of what the article is going to explain, right? Okay. We, we had the Ontario, which was this, this mid-range all-touch. Everyone's like, it's a, it's a high-end full-touch. No, no, it's not. It's been in mid-range all-touch. It's been repurposed. So Ontario was when Heinz was in seat. That was the mid-range all-touch they were going to go for. Chen comes in, they renamed it to the Manitoba. People assumed that the Manitoba was going to be the 64-bit, you know, next-level high-end. It ended up not being. It's a mid-range, all-touch device. Now, the Rio, I believe there is a device that is called... I believe there is a high-end, all-touch device with 2K specs and very much like a passport and build and all that stuff. This device is a mid-range, all-touch. It's labeled as the Manitoba. Within the files of the OS that Kyle found, it's labeled as the Manitoba. We don't know whether it's being renamed as the Rio, but I very highly believe that whatever next all-touch device we're going to get is going to look like this. So I'm going to put the screen share on so I can show you guys the goods here. Um, let's go. And, I'm, and it's good because Kyle made comparison photos, so you can see the actual subtle differences between the Z3 and the Manitoba. This, this device, is a very flow exclusive. Right, like whatever, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to the entire screen. We're going to minimize here. Do you guys see my desktop, correct? No, not yet. No, not yet? Hold on. Let me actually click it and press share. Now you guys see it, right? Desktop. So we've got some photos here in my Manitoba file. 
these are again were pulled out of the OS. So bearing my computer slowness here. <laughs> so looks a lot like a Z3, am I right? Correct. Mm -hmm. You see it has the frets very similar to the Passport where the stainless yeah. steel is actually pulled to the outside. This is ultimately one of the biggest differences between this device and the uh, Z3. You'll see the Z3 actually had a flap that you pull up. This one has a, a slot that actually opens up from the metal. I like that. Wow, that's yeah. cool. That's nice. Let's see if I can find the other pictures. Hold on a second. I'm guessing the fret won't be stainless steel if it's going to open like that on the side. It could be. It could still be. It could I, be. I, that would be really cool. I don't think like anyone's done that. I really I can't see that happening, though. There's probably a reason they haven't done that, right? We'll, we'll see sure enough. I mean, it looks like the black, the red, excuse me, the red and black passport with the black frets or the black siding. It looks just like that. Um, you see the power cords down here on the Z3. The microphone slot is actually over here. Somebody took a picture. <laughs> and, and here, this is the power button for the Manitoba. And on the Z3, it's actually on the side. I think it's on the left side. But you can see the frets again here on the edges where it looks very much like the... Uh, What's it called? The uh, passport. Right, passport. So th these are the comparison shots for you guys. So this is the Z3 on the left, mm -hmm. Manitoba on the right. You can see the differences. Definitely a different device. Very similar, but not, not quite the same. Um, let's go to another image here. Yeah, I really don't like the way that the Z3 does that now. That I look at this way. <laughs> right. This just seems way more consolidated and cleaner. Yeah. Again, difference between the ports. Microphone here on the Z3 is over here. Manitoba is thicker, probably a little bit heavier because it's got better specs. And then and you've got the battery. little... Right. Hopefully. <laughs> and then let's see if there's another. And then we have this one, which again shows the power buttons in different places. So ultimately, different devices is what, what we're basically trying to show off here. This mm -hmm. is a, a, another device that is planned. We don't know if we'll ever see it, but these files were pulled from some of the latest OS leaks. So, again, we're going to do a post-up on that so you guys can see more. Interesting, this device may end up being what the Rio looks like. Um, I've asked people who have seen the Rio, and they've pretty much confirmed that, yes, this is basically what it looks like, a lot like a Z3. Mid-range specs, uh, interested to see, I guess, where it goes from there, but we'll do up a post so people can actually look at those photos uh, more readily. Uh, pretty cool, nonetheless, to at least get, get an early glimpse at it. And it's, it makes sense, you know, the Z3 never launched here in the States, and it wouldn't right, have been yeah. successful, I think, with the specs that it had. It needs LTE. It needs a better processor. It needs a better battery and, and all those things. So ultimately, they're, they're waiting. We wanted the Z3 LTE, and ultimately, we're going to end up getting another device, hopefully April, May of next year, 2015. So keep a lookout on that again. I'm going to try to fire off the post. I'm, I'm been super busy. Uh, thanks, thanks again to Kyle. Uh, we'll put his Twitter handle on that full post. He's the one who actually got those images for me. He found those images back like... 50 days ago, and we're just getting around now to posting it. I know on previous upstreams, I'll be like, yeah, i got to post those photos. i got to post those photos. We're actually going to try to post them one of these days, so <laughs> keep an eye out for it. You guys can take a closer look then. Uh, that was all I really wanted to cover, Ontario, Rio, and Manitoba there at the end. I really appreciate having you guys on this Sunday. I know it was a little bit early for us trying to get it all together, and Hangouts wasn't quite cooperating with us, so I appreciate your patience with us, and thanks for watching. Cool. Later. Later, guys. Take it easy, guys. Yeah.